Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is episode 16 of Reboot Review, a podcast devoted to DC Comics' Legion of Superheroes. Legion has had such a long history. Uh, the specific focus of this show are the comics published between 1994 and 2004, featuring what could be considered the second iteration, or Reboot Legion, which is a diverse team of superpowered teens and beings protecting and inspiring a, a rebooted 30th and 31st century United Planets. The adventures of the Legion for much of this run wove through two monthly titles, so readers were given a bi-weekly dose of the never-ending battle to save the future. With respect to that, most episodes of Reboot Review will recap two issues, one issue each of Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires. This episode is a bit of an exception, uh, last episode, we saw that a few members of the team found themselves in the time stream on a mission to consult 20th century hero Superboy about a very important matter, and readers were told to see issue number 21 of Superboy for the first of a three-part crossover. So that's what we're going to do. I'll be walking us through that issue of Superboy shortly, uh, but first I wanted to provide a little bit of background on one of the major players in this crossover. And pretty much the reason for it happening, at least in a story sense, at all. I want to talk a little bit about Valor. But before that, a little bit of Reboot Legion news. came across a very early solicitation for trade paperback collection of the earliest Reboot Legion stories called Legionnaires Book One. This isn't due out at this point until April 2017, and a lot can change before then, but I'm super excited this book is at least scheduled to be published, and a little curious as to the reason for its existence. It's well overdue. There was a trade of the first few reboot stories called The Beginning of Tomorrow that's been out of print for probably about 20 years, and uh, looks like Legionnaire's Book 1 will include the stories from that earlier collection, plus a few more issues taking us right up to the point uh, before the outbreak of the war between the Legion and the White Triangle. This era of the Legion is incredibly uncollected, and I'm hoping Book 1, Legionnaire's Book 1, will lead to further volumes, but again, I'm wondering about the purpose. Is it an effort to collect the work of Mark Wade, who co-wrote many of those stories? Wade is the biggest name associated with the, these stories, so I can see that being probably the most likely reason for the collection, uh, but Wade's work would only extend into a second volume. You know, a very unlikely reason, in my opinion, is that we'll be seeing these characters again in current comics. I can't see that happening, but I have been wrong once or twice before, and uh, crazier things have happened. Things work in a cyclical way in comics and, and in everything else. And, current creative teams often seem to want to recreate the comics of their youth. You know, in the furthest reaches of my imagination I can see, and hope for, some fantastic pitch to DC to resurrect the Legion by some young writer or artist, or both, that grew up on these 90s Legion stories. Anyway, I'll, I'll truly believe in this series of reboot collections when I actually see them on the bookshelves, but very exciting to think about, at least to this fan of this era of Legion history. Alright, Valor. Um, Valor has historically been one of my favorite Legionnaires. He was introduced way back in 1961 in the pages of Superboy. 
Valor called then Monel, or his given name Laragand, is probably the legionnaire most f***ed by the various reboots. A Phantom Girl runs a close second, and I'd like to discuss her someday, but Monel has has gone through some stuff over the years, over the reboots. Versions of this character have spent uh, at least three thousand years in the isolation of the Phantom Zone. Now, I'm not sure I want to get into all of it, but uh, I do want to provide a little bit of context for the character that's been popping up in the pages of Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires. In a previous continuity, Monel was along with Superboy, among the most powerful members of the team, a native of the planet Daxum. He exhibited the typical powers that Daxamites and Kryptonians possess, strength, flight, vision powers, and vulnerability to almost anything. What set Monel apart was the time he spent in the Phantom Zone. Back when he was first introduced in a typical example of super dickery, Monel was unwittingly exposed by Superboy to lead, which is, as we've seen with other Daxamite characters, fatal to members of that species. Superboy's solution to the situation was to stick his friend in the old Phantom Zone for safekeeping while he worked on an antidote. I'm using my quotation fingers there. Well, Monel waited, and waited, and waited. He waited a thousand years for that cure. And it was Brainiac 5 of the Legion who supplied it, after which Monel joined the team, uh, with whom he shared decades worth of adventures after that. So there's the basic template of the story that would be told in a couple different variations throughout a couple different realities. Throughout much of the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s, despite my love of the character, and I hate to say it, but Monel was a bit redundant with the almost constant presence of Superboy in the Legion. He was Superboy's big brother, you know, heavy-hitting bookend, who uh, did score the hand of one of the hottest Legionnaires, Shadowlass, but Monel's character always seemed to lack something. It wasn't until Superboy, the idea of Superman as a boy, adventuring with his pals in the far future, it wasn't until that was removed from the Legion following the Superman revamp post-crisis that things got really interesting for Monel. Superman, Superboy, those characters were now off-limits to the 30th century crew. Superman was never Superboy, according to John Byrne and other creative people at the time. So the Legion's inspiration was eventually shifted from young Kal-El to Monel. The name Monel, with its Kryptonian root, was now anachronistic. Largand was given a new hero named Valor, and it was his exploits in the 20th century that not only inspired the Legion, but indirectly led to its very existence. Valor was destined before his thousand-year timeout in the Phantom Zone slash Stasis Zone slash whatever zone to help colonize the worlds that would one day become the United Planets. He, in effect, became the most important hero in the universe, and in the process became infinitely more interesting. It's unfortunate it came at the expense of much of his own history, especially the past that he shared with Superboy. Valor got, a, got to enjoy a few adventures in the 20th century post-crisis. He was given a temporary lead-poisoning antidote by an ancestor of Brainiac 5, Vril Dox, 
who managed to recruit Largand into his Galactic Peacekeeping Force Legion. That's the acronym L-E-G-I-O-N. And uh, he popped up in issues of Justice League Quarterly, Starman, New Gods. His role in the DC company-wide crossover Eclipso, The Darkness Within, led to his own ongoing solo title. This would eventually dovetail into the Legion of Superheroes title as the five years later era wound down and Zero Hour approached. A side effect of that of Zero Hour was these time disturbances that were popping up all over the place and not to get too confusing, but the Valor who starred in his own title ended up dying and his place in history was filled by a time-traveling time duplicate who assured that the proper worlds were seeded with settlers whose descendants would go on to form the United Planets and provide the Legion of Superheroes with its varied membership a thousand years later. Suffice it to say, the last year of the Valor title, um, in my opinion, provided great stories. I go back and reread these every couple of years. They're gorgeously illustrated by Colleen Doran. Um... But for simplicity's sake, for the understanding of the character who turns up here in the Reboot Legion continuity, um, we just have to forget those stories that were happened. We must just take for granted that the star of the title, Valor, who served with L-E-G-I-O-N, fought Eclipso, fraternized with, to some degree with the superheroes of the 20th century, uh, did not die of lead poisoning, and that at some point he was able to accomplish his greatest tasks and helped in the settling of dozens of worlds throughout the galaxy, planting the seeds of his own legend, and in the process becoming a mythic uh, religious figure. It's this character that ran across the Superboy of the 90s, the one that was introduced in the wake of the Death of Superman storyline as a clone of the Man of Steel. They met, like many superheroes do, with a misunderstanding, an exchange of fisticuffs, and a reconciliation. Uh, but the lead antidote provided by Vril Dox had begun to wear off at this time, and Valor was deposited into the phantom-like zone by, by another superboy. <laughs> and there he remained for about a millennium. Um, and that's where he began appearing to members of the Legion in a ghostly form, asking for help, asking for release. But they can't get him out. So now they want to talk to Superboy, so let's see how that goes. Welcome to the future. Our future. And soon to be your future. Well, until the next retcon, or reboot. Welcome to the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, forged in the past by Tales of the Future, the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. And now, the secret origin of the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. You know, someone should do a podcast about the Legion of Superheroes. Yes. Yes, they should. We should ask the guys at CGS to do it. But aren't they kind of busy? Oh, no. It would be a great idea. I'm not so sure about this. I mean, they have the weekly podcasts they do. They are planning all their con appearances, setting up interviews with comic talent, scheduling the next super show, and restocking the bar for their next anniversary episode. Oh, come on. It'll be an easy sell. Let's go in and tell them about it. Wow, they are tough. What are you talking about? We never got past Tasha and the dogs. Choke. 
Now our dreams will never come true. No, wait. I'm having a flash of precognition. Really? No, but we need a plot device to get to the point, don't we? True that. I see us talking across wide distances with other Legion fans. I see us doing it, Paul and Rick. Don't you see? We're the Legion of Super Podcasters. We can't be the Legion of Super Podcasters. We were just kicked out of the club. Then we'll be the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. One day we'll prove that we are worthy. Yes! We've heard that people have a tough time understanding Legion of Superheroes. It's hard to keep track of which lad, last boy or girl is which. And what the hell's a Xanthu anyway? Let us make that a lot easier for you. Join Paul French, Rick Croxton, Darren Noel, and our mystery Legionnaire for a fun ride through the history of the future. www.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com Superboy number 21, cover dated November 1995, contains a story called Making History by the team of writer Carl Kiesel, penciler Tom Grummet, inker Doug Hazelwood. It's colored by Tom McCraw, who of course co-wrote at this time both Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires, plus colored those books. Uh, it's lettered by Richard Starkings and Comicraft, and edited by the team of Chris Duffy and Frank Pitterese. Cover, penciled by Grummet and inked by Kiesel, shows uh, an angry-looking Superboy dropping in on a group of at least as angry-looking Legionnaires. Underneath the Superboy title logo is a little subtitle logo saying, Future Tense, Part 1 of 3. The succeeding parts of this crossover would appear in the issues of LSH and Legionnaires released in the same month as this issue. Now, I don't own many issues of this Kiesel Grummet Superboy series. In fact, the only couple I do are Legion-related. Uh, but this, this does seem like a fun series. Tom Grummet followed Superboy over from The Adventures of Superman, a title which the young clone was the temporary star. And uh, Carl Kiesel, he really seemed to, to make the kid his own, at first relocating Superboy to Hawaii and surrounding him with what seems like a, a pretty vibrant supporting cast. This issue opens with Superboy uh, at high school in his hero outfit. <laughs> Red gloves, leather jacket, and little round sunglasses that everyone seemed to have in the mid-90s. Did everyone have a pair of those? Well, I did at least. So uh, Superboy, panicked, is sweating some history test while on another part of the island, with a crackle of electrical energy, a group of legionnaires emerges from the time stream. We've got Cosmic Boy, Triad, Chameleon, Saturn Girl, and Brainiac 5. They speak amongst themselves, their word balloons containing those little brackets that let us know their speech is being translated from Interlac, the common language used by the UP in the late 30th century. They take a head count and discover that XS, one of their number, is missing. Cosmic Boy freaks out a little bit, wanting immediately to track her down, but Brainiac 5 states, logically, that it's in their best interest to get on with the mission. If XS is truly lost in the time stream, they can just extract her and deposit her a microsecond after she got lost. This argument seems to convince the rest, and Saturn Girl conveniently, telepathically, locks in on Superboy and points out a nearby underground tunnel as being the fastest route to him. Now, I really dig uh, Tom Grummet's depiction of the Legionnaires. His style isn't a 
isn't a million miles away from that of Geoffrey Moy, the regular penciler of the Legionnaires title. Grummet obviously tries to make the Legionnaires look like teenagers, which is appreciated, and it's not the case with every artist who draws them. Uh, little, another little detail I appreciate is the kind of loose fitting of their uniforms, as if they haven't quite filled them out yet. So the Legionnaires make their way underground and eventually find themselves right underneath Superboy's home where he's speaking to his friend Roxy about the, that test he had earlier in the day. Suddenly a giant green worm-like thing bursts through the floor and Superboy jumps into action, punching it through the roof. Legionnaires fly through the giant hole in the ground that they made and their speech balloons are filled with a, a bunch of funny-looking characters. This is Interlac. I'm not... I'm not sure who designed this Interlac alphabet, uh, but Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen used it quite a bit beginning in the 80s. Uh, billboards, street signs, advertising, these often featured Interlac in uh, older issues of the Legion of Superheroes, and here it's put to pretty, pretty effective use. This perceived attack, at least Superboy's perspective is made all the more shocking, all the more disorienting because Superboy can't understand what his attackers are saying. Now, I don't think I've ever seen Interlac used quite to this extent because uh, what follows is five pages of battle between Superboy and the Legion. The giant worm thing that crashed to the floor was Chameleon, by the way. Uh, and most of the dialogue is printed in Interlac. Now, luckily, an interlac key was printed in the letters column at the back of this issue. And though I think it was super cool and definitely story appropriate, I have to admit it was a tiny bit annoying having to flip back and forth between the fight and the key translating one letter at a time. Um, <laughs> I'll be reproducing a couple of these panels on the blog, imthegun.blogspot.com, and uh, I'll scan the key too if there's anyone out there interested in doing some interlac translation. Now, throughout the fight, Brainiac tries to implant a telepathic earplug in Superboy, which would make their communication a bit easier. But even that doesn't change the fact that the Legion pretty much just destroyed Superboy's house just to get his attention, which is uh, an uncharacteristic, uh, unjustified action, which I think seems a little forced in the story. Now, Superboy's fighting in self-defense, and his reaction is entirely justified, even though one of Saturn Girl's translated interlac utterances is, This is ridiculous. It must be the 20th century fight-then-team-up syndrome I've read about. Well, you just wrecked the guy's house, but... Anyway, the timely appearance of Double X, Superboy's pal from the Cadmus Project, puts an end to the hostilities as he has telepathic abilities of his own, and he establishes a mental link for Superboy and the Legion. When Triad mentions that their mission is to save Valor, Superboy takes them to the local Star Labs, where there's the wreckage of the Stasis Zone gate, that, which Superboy used to pretty much save Valor's life. Superboy, taking a breather from hitting on Triad, explains that he was able to hold the gate open using his telekinetic power just long enough for Valor to fly inside before it combusted feels guilty about the whole situation, but feels it was 
The only way to save Valor's life. Brainiac wants to look into repairing the device and perhaps releasing Valor. Uh, so Saturn Girl sets up a telepathic link between he and Superboy, whose mind contains the blueprints for the stasis zone gate. When a generally disgruntled Brainy complains about the available equipment and his inability to use what he considers an antiquated, broken-down soldering gun, uh, Superboy points out uh, that it wasn't plugged in. <gasps> this is the final straw for Brainiac. <laughs> Humiliated, he exclaims he can't work in these conditions. He grabs Superboy, and with a touch to his tablet-looking device, boop, he... Superboy and the Legionnaires disappear in the same crackle of energy with which they arrived. And that's how this chapter of Future Tense ends. So this story uh, will be continued in Legion of Superheroes and in Legionnaires. Now this issue is okay. It certainly looked good and provided some setup for at least the next two installments of Legion Comics. Got Superboy a Superboy in the company of the Legion, and that's a thrill of its own, seeing a Superboy with the Legion. Now, I'm not a Legion fan that thinks the team, the Legion, is dependent on the presence of a super character in its ranks. I think one of the cool things about the Legion is that, uh, in a way, they were the first sidekicks to kind of make it on their own. They they supported their own title, at time titles, for years after booting Superboy out of his own comic at the at the dawn of the 80s. Now a Superboy would definitely add something to the Legion, as a Supergirl once added to the Legion. And of course their roots will always be firmly planted in the Superman-Superboy mythos. But uh, in my opinion, they are they're more than capable of thriving on their own, given the right creative spin. But still, it's cool to see a super with the Legion. Alright, before I head out, I want to acknowledge some Twitter love that the last episode of Reboot Review got. Thank you, Kara Zorel, at Daughter of Rao. Uh, FKA Jason, who co-hosts the fantastic Silver and Gold podcast featuring issue recaps of the 80s Captain Atom series, and one of my favorites, Booster Gold. And thank you to the Sutherlands, Darren and Ruth, who host Xenozoic Xenophiles, covering the Xenozoic tales of Mark Schultz, Warlord Worlds, on which they discuss the work of Mike Grell, and Trekker Talk, on which they do the same for Ron Randall. I appreciate their continued support. I will have some uh, contact info on my blog, imthegun.blogspot.com, if you're interested in talking about the Legion, Superboy, Valor... And uh, please check out previous episodes of Reboot Review on iTunes and now on Google Play. Okay, thanks for listening, and until next we meet, LOL. On.